Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachapoli. Okay, the beginning of another week. Well, not really. The beginning of my week. I had a three-day weekend, so there was no show on Monday, as it usually is. So this is really the beginning of my week. And that's all I care about. I don't care about when your week begins. I care about when my week begins. Here I am yelling already. Calm down, Mike. Calm down. Tomorrow's a big night. It's a Republican debate number two. So after the debate, I'll be on 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern to talk about what happened, to talk about what's going on. Whatever happened to Vivek? Remember Vivek Ramaswamy? Remember him? Remember him, Farmer Swampy? Where'd he go? He was like all over like shit. And then he had that debate and then he went away. For the last month, I have like not heard a word from him. Unfortunately, I think we'll have to hear from him again tomorrow night. So, but he just went away. He went poof. It shows you how the media can really just invent people and then get rid of them, right? The media covers you, you exist. If the media doesn't cover you, you don't exist. Which is why it's good that Ron DeSantis is doing all these interviews. And I'll play some clips coming up. So, but tomorrow night's the big night, debate number two. I believe there's going to be 11 more, 10 more after tonight. So it's going to be like at least one a month until the voting starts in January. And then there might be more than that. So, but, you know, we know who's not going to be there, right? We know who's not going to be there. So, uh, it's just going to be the same people, I think, from the last one. I'm not exactly sure if everyone qualified for this one or not, but we'll see come tomorrow night on Fox, Fox News, Fox News Business, right? Okay, uh, I think they're hosting it. So uh, we'll talk about the debate after tomorrow night. And uh, we can talk about some things we, we expect to hear. I think we'll expect, we'll hear the same stuff, basically, won't we? But it, it will be... Uh, I think there might be a little bit of differences between the way the characters uh, present them. Did I say the characters? (laughs) I tell you, you could take the guy out of the movie theater, but you can't take the movie theater out of the guy. Not the characters. These aren't characters. I think these are real people. I believe they are. So we'll see the candidates and what they have to say and how they present themselves. I said characters for a reason. Because I'm thinking about presentation, right? I'm thinking not about acting, but about how they present themselves tomorrow night, right? Um, Will we see some of them more relaxed, less relaxed, more focused, less focused? Will they be um, talking to each other more or or looking just directly at the audience, at the camera more? We'll see what happens with all that. Those are the adjustments you make between debates. Um, You know what I've been thinking? Is it unique to this country? that we make old people run everything. And this is, uh, I don't, I don't mean to offend anyone who's listened to this podcast, who's a senior citizen. Um, I'm not too far away from that myself, but you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing to be 70 and already be in a position, right? You've been in that position for 40 years. You're high up in a company and you don't want to retire yet. That's a whole different subject. I'm talking about putting these people who in their seventies going into eighties into leadership positions to start at that age. Where do we see that? Do we see, tell me of a Fortune 500 company that puts a 78-year-old in charge at that point. 
Once again, not someone that's been there for 50 years. Not so, and, and let me tell you, most of these companies, you can't still be in those positions at 80 years old. But I mean, it's even worse to like put someone in the top level position to run something at 80 years old. We don't see that. The answer is no. I know 80 year olds who actually want to go work. They don't want to sit at home. They want to go do something. And I'm talking about 80 year olds who have had, you know, decades of experience, huge resumes, and no one will hire them. And not, I'm not talking about top positions. I'm talking about just like for a job, man, just a job, Jack. Yet in politics, in every, in politics, in, in, uh, in, in, in sports, in, 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 uh, in the movie industry, it, it seems as though there are certain industries, and we've been focusing a lot on politics, where if you're 80, sure, we'll put you, we'll, we'll make you leader of the free world. Most 80 year olds can't get a job <clears throat> working as a, uh, an assistant to a lawyer, but we'll make you leader <clears throat> of the free world at 80 years old. Is this uniquely American? I think it is. I think it's uniquely American. Well, maybe uniquely North American, but it's, it's definitely not something you see in, in, in Central America and Latin America, in, in uh, Europe, in Asia, but it seems like we see it here a lot. And then we might look around and say, well, why are we so fucked up? Maybe we're not having the people with the sharpest brains run things because maybe they're advanced age. They have lost a few steps, which is what happens. They've lost a few steps and this is normal. That's why a lot of companies won't hire older people because of a couple of major reasons. One is, you know, you don't know how, how many years they're gonna be able to give you, right? So if you hire someone who's 40, you know, they can give you 30 years. If I hire someone 75, what, what are they gonna do? You know, so longevity is part of it. You don't wanna have to turn around a couple of years later and hire someone else again, right? Also, they feel those people, unrightfully so, have lost a few steps. They'd rather have someone 45 than 75 because it's just the odds. If you play the odds, I'm not saying there aren't very sharp 75 year olds. I'm not saying there aren't 45 year olds who are mush brains, but in general, come on, we know how it works. So most companies understand this. And so they won't hire someone of a certain age. You're supposedly not allowed to ask age, but I know plenty of people who are older who fill out resumes and they're asked to fill out an age. I've actually had an experience. I know someone who's about Joe Biden's age and uh, was filling out a form to try to get a job. <laughs> and you know, with these newfangled, when you're filling out these forms online, it has like the, the year and you scroll down to your year, it wouldn't go to his year. It stopped like six years short of his year. Now think about in that, being in that situation. I'm starting to see it now and I was born in 71. Imagine being born in 40 or 45. And I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling and I'm like, God, I'm scrolling down from 2023 all the way to 71. It seems like it takes three years now to scroll down to my year. But think of how that feels if you're filling out an application for a job and it doesn't go down to your year. They're pretty much telling you we're discriminating, right? We don't want anyone born before 52 or 53 or 55. We are discriminating. Once again, they're not supposed to be able to with the equal opportunity employment, but they do. 
they do. And so, but this is the norm for most jobs in this country, but not president of the United States of America. Why? Not U.S. Senator. Why? No one can answer that question, really. No one can answer that question. Now, it's, once again, it's not written in law that a company can hire someone who's 80, but they don't. And so it's, we know it's not written in the Constitution. There's no age maximum. There's an age minimum. You can't run for president if you're 34, but you can if you're 94. Of course, that makes perfect sense, right? But we know that you just shouldn't do it. Even though there's no maximum age, you shouldn't do it. And yet we live in a country where it's becoming the norm. It's not just like a one-off, right? Trump wasn't a one-off. Uh, Biden, who was even older, followed him, right? And now <laughs> an even older Biden and an even older Trump are the two supposed frontrunners. In other words, the odds makers are saying one of those old men will be president again. Why? Why just in this country? I don't get it. It must be a uniquely American thing. It must be, and I don't know whether it's, we don't feel like we deserve better or we're an old country with a lot of old people who want to believe that if others can do it, they can do it also. So they perpetuate this idea that an 80 year old can be an effective president. I, I don't know, but all I know is that it's a weird thing and we don't just see it in, in politics. We see it in sports too. I see teams that are hiring 70 year old managers now. Why, why do we do this here? I don't get it. There are plenty of talented young people. I know one named Ron DeSantis, who's I believe 44. So if we have all this, if we have young talent, and we do in politics, we have young talent in sports, we have young talent in, 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 in culture and in movies, theater, we have tons of really young talent, 20, 20 year olds. Why are we doing this? Why do we do this to ourselves in this country? It's a phenomenon that I don't totally understand. I don't totally understand it. it, it there needs to be like an I know there are some people who believe as I believe, but there's no outward rejection of this. We're not going to vote for another 80-year-old president, period. We're not. We're not. We're not going to nominate another 80-year-old. We're not. We're not. It's over. You don't hear that kind of outward rejection of this idea of hiring these elderly people well past the, the, the minimum age of being a senior citizen to run the United States of America. I, it's it mind boggling to me that anyone would consider voting for Donald Trump or for Joe Biden at this point in their lives. Well, for those two guys at any point in their lives, but especially now, especially now. And <clears throat> part of it's the media's fault. You don't hear a condemnation of this. You hear like, well, is it okay when they interviewed Ron DeSantis last week? Is it okay to talk about age? It, the, the, the people in the media actually asked DeSantis, is, is that an issue? Do you think age is an issue? Do you think it's a, that's the problem? We have this fakakta media here who doesn't just come out and say the truth, which is this is too, these people are too fucking old to run the country. They're too old to run the country. I don't care. I don't care their IQ. I don't care about their, I don't, they can take an acuity test and pass it. I don't give a shit. They're too old. 
Period. It's called common fucking sense. Common sense. They are too old. And once again, for the same reasons, a regular company wouldn't hire them. How long are you going to get them for? Are they sharp enough? Do we trust them to run this at that age? And the answer is no. No. No to Joe Biden. No to Bernie Sanders. No to Donald Trump. And I know there are differences. Mental acuity, there's differences between the three. You know, uh, physical shape, there's a difference between the three. I don't care. There's a similarity between the three. Their age is too high. They're too old. Period. And they should not be running this country in any way. In any any shape, any shape, any way, shape, or form, they shouldn't be running. You can call me a fucking ageist all you want. I do not care. I don't care. I have to stop cursing, and I'll tell you why. I have to stop cursing, or, or curse less, because I have a friend, a good old friend, who found me again after a quarter century speaking of being old, through this podcast. And he runs a, a radio station in Virginia called WMVA. WMVA Radio, Gold Rush. By the way, you should listen to it. If you have like uh, um, oh, like Alexa or Google, you can just simply say, uh-oh, they're going to come on now. You can say, I got to say it low so my Google doesn't hear it. You can say Google or Alexa, play WMVA Gold Rush, and it'll come on, Okay. Uh, because this is a new day and age where there's really no local radio anymore. Um, and it's like a 50s, 60s, 70s kind of music. But he he has a very good eclectic playlist. It's not like the same songs every five minutes. And it's a lot of all these uh, classic old songs that you don't hear played on many stations. But he, sa- he said, why don't you do film reviews? So I'm doing film reviews now on his uh, on his station. So like three times a day. My film reviews play not the same ones I do here. I do I do sixty second reviews um, to fit in with the format. But what he wants me to do is he wants me to put together like clips of. My, he wanted to play my whole podcast. I said, John, we can't do that. It's terrestrial radio. You're on terrestrial radio. You can't curse. I can't curse. So I have to like pick out like clips now of my podcast. You know, like maybe like the, like a really good two minute clip of me saying something great. And there's a lot of those moments. There are so many to choose from, but there can't be any curse words or I can't use it. So I don't want to do that cheesy beep, beep. I don't want to do that crap. Um, so I have to be a little bit conscious of not because if I curse, I ruin the segment. I can't use it for that. Right. So I have to sort of be a little bit better when it comes to cursing. So I'm going to try to do that. Maybe I should. Isn't there like um, what do you call that? Not Pavlov's dogs, but a punishment thing. Oh, what, what was that? What was that thing? Come on. What was it called? Well, not really Milgram. I know Milgram, they thought they were zapping, but I need to be really zapped. I need to have like a something in my chair where if I curse, I get like shocked. And after a while, I'll stop cursing. So maybe I can set that up. If anyone knows how to do that, I want to put something in my seat, which shocks me when I curse. And then I'll stop. I'll stop cursing. It is it, behavioral, right? Yes. It's called like behavioral psychology. That's, that's, that's what I need to do. I need to behave. I need to behave. But anyway, why did I start talking about? Oh, okay. This, this idea of the elderly. It's, I don't, I've tried to look at cases in other places. I guess you can look at like, okay, Mandela was old, right? Mandela was old, but that's a, a, a special situation, right? 
He was put in prison. He was a political prisoner. It's kind of a different deal. And look at and his history was just, you know, decades in that country. I guess you could say Gandhi, but that's not really a leader, is it? It's a figure, right? Uh, it's, I, but I, I try to look, <laughs> try to look around the world and say, is there any other country that like puts people in these important positions at an advanced age? And I can't think of it. I mean, look at other leaders. I know they're all idiots. I know. Believe me, I'm not saying Newsom is is a good leader. I'm not saying Trudeau is a good leader. I'm not saying Macron is a good leader. But look at the ages in general of the people of these these countries. And I said this age doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be competent or that I'm going to like you. But just look at that idea of these other countries elect very young people. California elected a young governor. Uh, but, you know, Canada elected a young leader and France elected a young leader. And we're seeing this more and more, right, where there's a European countries. They're kind of they're looking at younger people. Right. They're certainly not nearly as old as what we have here. Look at look at us here. There's not just Trump and Biden and Bernie. Right. You got uh, Schumer who's getting up there. Right. You have McConnell. Right. You have Pelosi. You have. Let me keep Feinstein. You have the guy in, and I like him, Grassley. But these are like the old, these are very old people. And they're an incredibly high level. Everyone I mentioned is either a president running for president or a U.S. senator or a speaker of the house, Pelosi, right? These aren't like low level positions. So it's not like a lot of companies that once you get to like that age, they say, well, yeah, you want to hang around. You don't want to sit on your ass at home. I understand. You want to stay active. All right. We're going to, you know, put you in this corner office here and you can do some paperwork. You can add up numbers. Right. So it's not like that here. It's like these people are in the top level, the highest of the high, the president. Look, so you had the president with Biden. Right. And the what? The third in line for president, both octogenarians. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Does that make any sense whatsoever? No, of course not. No one can justify this stuff. They can't. And like I say, it seems to be very unique to our country. Is it just this period in time? Because when Reagan was president, he wasn't when he left office, he wasn't nearly as old as these people who were running for that position now. And yet I remember a lot of criticism that even at his age, he was like, oh, too old, right? He was out of it. Nancy was running everything. So even as, as recently as the 80s, there was like, you know, age is too old. This guy's too old now. And it's only gotten worse since then as far as the age goes, right, with people running and at 10 years older than Reagan. So I think we're going to be in a world of shit until we correct this. And I think the only way we can correct it is by making laws, right? Putting it in there just the way there's a minimum age, that there's a maximum age. And that's the same way you can justify it, right? And the only alternative, the only negotiation is then if you don't want there to be, if you believe it's ageist for there to be a maximum age to run for president or Senate, then it's ageist if there's a minimum age. So 18, that's it. That's, that's my, if you don't want to put in a maximum age, 
and we can discuss what that age should be. I'd go as low as 70. Some people might say 75, and we can discuss that. Then 18, and you can run for president. If you agree to me that an 18-year-old can run for president of the United States, then I guess we have a deal. But how many people are going to really agree to that, to lower the age from 35 to 18? Not many. So if you're going to have a minimum age, and I, I think 18 is a good age, actually. I think once you can start voting, if you can vote to put someone in the White House, why can't you run to be in the White House? If you're trusted to vote at 18, why can't you be trusted to actually go out there, put yourself out there, and let the people decide? You can't make yourself president. People can elect you if they want to, right? Why can't that be? So this is the way it has to go. Take out the minimum age or put in the maximum age. You, but you can't have it both ways. You can't have it your cake and eat it too. You can't say, yeah, there should be a minimum age of 35, which is a ridiculous age now. I mean, there are people in their 20s who are running Fortune 500 companies, billionaires, right? So it's ridiculous to have that age at 35. Um, but if you're going to keep that, then you got to put a, a maximum of 70, 75. I think that makes perfect sense. I think we're going to be in trouble until we start doing that. I, I really do. Because obviously the American people can't be relied on to course correct themselves by simply just not voting for these people, right? We're not just going to – you could do it that way. The American people can run the show by saying, well, we're just not going to do it. We're not going to even entertain it. But they don't just entertain it here. They elect them. They elect them. And the media says, oh, do, you, oh, do you think it's okay to talk about this? Is it, is it, is it not taboo to talk about? Is it, is it taboo to, to ask you if a 98-year-old shouldn't leave the fucking world? Is that taboo? <laughs> fucking morons. Okay, here's a guy who I like, Glenn Beck. Uh, see, I said effing. See what I just said? I need a zapper. I could say effing, right? Or I could say freaking morons. Uh, that was a great segment, and now I can't use it, Mike. No discipline. Okay. Um, I want to go to Glenn Buck. Glenn Beck. Has anyone seen his um, setup for his show? It's great. I love those microphones that hang. I want to get that. Even though no one can see it, I'll, I'll see it. I want to get one of those microphones that hang down. I love them. I love those thin microphones that hang down. And you don't even have to be anywhere near it. I mean, these, they're like several feet away. You can be like six feet away from the microphone and it still picks you up. So this, I have to find out that technology because that's just, I love it. Very sleek, a nice studio. But uh, recently, DeSantis was on his show. He's been on a couple of times. And uh, we've talked about this before. It's been kind of unclear, DeSantis's position on the Ukraine thing. I think people think his his position on the immigration, the borders, much clearer than Ukraine. His position on uh, uh, energy is much clearer than the Ukraine's position on, you know, COVID is much clearer than Ukraine. So let's see. This is a three-minute clip. This is Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck asking Ron DeSantis to clarify his position on America's involvement in the U in Ukraine. A lot of people say you're a little slippery on Ukraine. I don't think so. I mean, what, what happened was, you know, I said, you know, it's um, it's something that, um, you know, no blank check. Uh, it's not a it's not a vital interest where we'd have ground troops under any circumstance. It's a secondary or tertiary interest. And the goal should be to bring it to a conclusion. 
uh, so that we don't have wars breaking out in Europe or we don't have this going on for 50 years. Uh, and that's pretty much what I've been. People said, oh, he said Vladimir Putin's a bad guy. So that must be a change because wouldn't he, if Putin's bad, don't you have to support a never ending blank check? No, there's a different question between Putin being a bad guy, which he is, Russia being the aggressor, which they are, but then our national interests and the risks of us getting enmeshed in this. I'm the only guy running that's actually put on the uniform. I was in Iraq at a time where, you know, things weren't great in places like Fallujah and Ramadi. And I'm very uh, conscious and sensitive to doing things where there's not a clear mission where we don't know what exactly we're trying to accomplish. Biden is still not articulated, he says, as long as long as it takes. So as president, my goal would be to end it, not to escalate it. Uh, I think we can do that, but you're going to have to use other levers that Biden has not been willing to do, for example, on the energy. He is basically funding both sides of the conflict. Right. Our energy policy helps Russia, helps Iran. He gave $6 billion to Iran just now. Iran is helping Russia in the conflict. China is helping Russia in the conflict. And people will sometimes say, well, um, you know, because it's borderland between Russia and Ukraine, like why, why should America care? And so what the D.C. people will say is, well, China is watching this. They're, they're going to see, and that may cause them what they do with Taiwan. I actually think what China wants, they want to see a long, protracted quagmire because mm -hmm. we're running low on ammunition in the West. Stockpiles are diminishing. Uh, Russia, if they're in it, Russia will get weakened too. But China wants a weak Russia because that means Russia is a client state of China. Because, yep. you know, China and Russia, they, they get along, but then they don't or whatever. This China would be, or, or Russia would be dependent on China in that situation. So I think it's in our interest for this to come to an end as expeditiously as possible. All that money. Well, they're paying salaries for Ukrainian bureaucrats. No accountability on any of this, paying pensions for Ukrainian bureaucrats. I mean, that is something that's totally unacceptable uh, to be doing. Joe Biden impeachment, 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think that the corruption is real. I think they should be should be inquiring and investigating. But, you know, he should be impeached for the border. He is derelict in the performance of his duties. He took an oath to ensure that the laws of this country were faithfully executed. And he has flagrantly violated his oath of office. That is definitely uh, an impeachable offense. And so I think on that dereliction of duty, that's the cleanest case that they should do. I do think they should be getting the information on the corruption. And I think there is real corruption with the Biden family. All right. So I didn't know they were going to talk about that last part there. But anyway, but you heard what he said. I want to end it, basically. And he criticized all the money going there. So... I have no problem with that answer. I think it's a good, solid answer. I, I, I know what some people want to hear. Uh, when I get in, I'm going to say, we're not spending another dime. Fuck Ukraine. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say that. And no, by the way, if someone were to say that, they're full of shit. They wouldn't do that once they got into office. That's not what they, anybody that became president would not say, not one more penny, fuck Ukraine. They're not going to say that. It's easy thing to say if you're running for office, but that's not what you're going to do. But he said, once again, this is what I like about Ron DeSantis. He says what he's going to do, what he can do. He doesn't lie. He doesn't exaggerate. He just said what he would do. He would work to end it. And we're not, and we're not, and, we're, and the money we're spending, we're sending there is not being justified. It's not being, uh, uh, there's no oversight of it. So it's quite obvious that Ron DeSantis would be against continuing to send money, and he'd be for 
ending it in a diplomatic way, which I think is what needs to be done. He's right. Biden has not articulated that. They keep the Democrats, Biden especially, keep saying the same thing as long as it takes. Basically, what they've said is as long as it takes for Ukraine to win, which is horse shit. First of all, that can go on forever. Secondly, Ukraine's not going to win. Ukraine's not going to win. That's like saying Mark Zuckerberg would beat like the best MS, M- MMA fighter, right? Who do you think is going to win? I, I, I'm in it as long as it takes for Zuckerberg to beat the best MMA fighter in the world. It's not going to happen. It's, it's ridiculous. Ukraine was never going to win this, ever, ever. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible. So that's bullshit saying we're in it until Ukraine wins. That just means you're going to spend billions and billions and billions and billions and throw it out the window because they're never going to win. And there will be an unending conflict or they'll just give up. And all our money will have gone to waste. So I like it. My goal would be to end it, not to escalate it. And what the Biden's done is escalating it. When you keep on giving them money, you escalate it because you keep it going, right? You keep it going. When you keep a war going and make more war, it's called escalation, right? So that's what they're doing. So to end it, you'd have to cut off the money and you'd have to get them to the negotiating table, right? And that's exactly what DeSantis has said. Now, there's a difference between saying he doesn't answer the question and you don't like the way he answers the question. There's a difference. You don't have to like the way he answered that question. I do. And he answered it, period. Does it, once again, you can't say someone's not answering something because they don't give the answer you would give. That's not the way things work, okay? And that's what I like about DeSantis. He says what he means. You can like it or you can dislike it. But I think this really puts an end, and we'll probably see more of this in the debate tomorrow night. Obviously, I'm sure the question will be asked. And then again in October, and then again in November. So. It'll be very clear what he said, what he thinks, but I think this this ends it for me. It really does. I know that the difference between Joe Biden and Ronda Santos will be no more money, not money forever until Ukraine wins. Okay, not not escalation of a war, not where we are now, which is this status quo, but actually making everything come to a head, right? And ending it. So that's his answer. I like the answer. I have no problem with the answer. And I think most importantly, it's a realistic answer. It's not a pie in the sky baloney. You know, as I said, baloney instead of another word, I'm getting better. Um, answer. So that's, you know, a good answer there, as far as I'm concerned. You know, when I talk about Trump, that's when I have <laughs> trouble. That's when I have trouble uh, not cursing, um, but I'm going to try not to. So it, it, as it turns out, this is not a shock. Iowa evangelical voters are exhausted by Trump and could upend his run for presidency, a prominent Iowa conservative says. And of course, a big part of that is his wishy-washy stance on uh, abortion, right? Um, conservative leader Bob Vanderplatz said that the road to the GOP nomination goes through Iowa, which it does. 
And Vanderplas told CNN that evangelical voters are both appreciative and exhausted of Trump. Trump recently said the six-week abortion ban in Florida signed by DeSantis was a terrible mistake. And while Trump in, in polls, in polls, if you believe them, which I don't, has a lead in Iowa, the first in nation voting state, conservative leader Bob Vanderplatz recently told CNN that the Hawkeye state still has the potential to blunt the former president's momentum. Evangelicals, perhaps the most critical part of the GOP coalition in Iowa, are poised to make or break Trump's campaign. They're very appreciative of the former president, but they're exhausted as well. Iowa is tailor-made to upend Trump. If he loses Iowa, there's a competitive nomination process. If he wins Iowa, I think it's over. In March, Vander Plaats told the Times that the former president's character was on display after suggesting that Republicans underperformed nationally in the 2022 midterm elections because they pushed for far-reaching abortion restrictions. See, that's what that that's that's Trump's mo. That uh, believing in something like being pro uh, anti-abortion is why the Republicans lost. Instead of we know the real reason why Republicans lost because of him, but he won't say that. The poison isn't abortion issue. There are many candidates who were not uh, tainted by Trump who were anti-abortion Republicans who won. But the candidates that were touched by him lost. The ones that were endorsed by him lost. The common denominator is him, not abortion. Vander Blatz has been a key figure in the uh, anti-abortion movement and told the Times at the time that the evangelical bloc had not forgotten about Trump's comments. It showed a character thing with Trump that he cast the blame on the pro-life movement. If you're trying to win the Iowa caucuses, I wouldn't put that base under the bus. Look, the problem, once again, remains that these Republicans, I, I like the fact that they're starting to see there's an alternative and that he's full of crap. And he really annoyed them with the abortion stuff. But they're, they're still pretending like he's a, a real viable person, and he's not. Once again, that's the flaw in the thinking of a lot of Republicans, that he can win a general election, and he can't. So I don't care if you absolutely love and adore this guy. He can't win a general election. There's something called math and numbers and facts and statistics and evidence, and he cannot win a general election. So what is the point? What is the point of nominating someone who will lose? Where does that get your anti-abortion movement if a Democrat wins again? Where does that get your movement if Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden win? In the fucking shitter. And even further in the shitter will your movement go when the Senate stays Republican and the House flips to Republican and the Supreme Court justices are nominated by Newsom or Biden or Kamala Harris. Then where, where does your movement go? It, it's flushed down the shitter. So this is what annoys me about Republicans, and this is why... I cannot commit to being one past this election cycle or supporting any any of them past this election cycle is that I don't even see myself as supporting Republicans, really. I see myself as reporting Ron DeSantis. He happens to be a Republican, right, because I'm not into the cult. My candidate happens to be a Republican. If Ron DeSantis, the Ron DeSantis we know and love, were a Democrat, I'd vote for him also. So I can't commit to voting for candidates in a party 
that will still vote for Donald Trump. This is why. And yeah, I hate Donald Trump. And I think it, it shows to a character flaw for people who support him. But it's that lack of intelligence to understand that he simply can't win. That bothers me. I don't want to be part of a party of people who have no intelligence. And this is not, you don't need an IQ of 200 to know that Trump can't win. You can have an IQ of 30 and you know he can't win. He cannot win. Do I want to, do I have to go through the numbers again for people? 26% of Americans said they would vote for him if he go, if he, one convict, 94 counts, if one of them, one of them, he's convicted on one of them, they won't vote for him. Only one of every four people would consider voting for him. What are the odds he's convicted on one of them before November of 2024? Pretty fucking high. I'd put it at 110%. Seventy percent of the country said they don't even want him running again, along with Joe Biden. Right. They don't want them running again. Independence. He's like 30 points below water with the group you need to win a general election. He won't win the vote of more than like 10 Democrats. He cannot win a general election. So it's that lack of intelligence that bothers me. And if it's the minority, that's fine. There were assholes uh, and jerks in every party. But if it's the majority, I can't be part of that. And we'll see. The jury, if you will, is still out. We'll see. But that's, as I read this article, once again, I'm very happy that he annoyed them with his abortion issue, his abortion stance. But... It's, I'm not, I'm not, what I want to see from Republicans, and, and I think maybe we will when the voting starts. But right now, I'm not seeing, like, this, we can't even consider this guy anymore. We can't. His age, he can't win. Forget about it. Yes, we're appreciative of what he did when he was president, you know, seven, six years ago, seven years ago. We get it, but not, that's it. It's over. Too old. Can't win this time. We're going to forget about him and move on. That's what I'm not hearing. And I don't understand it when you have a candidate like Ron DeSantis. See what I mean about the intelligence of people? If you're not intelligent enough to know that Ron DeSantis is not a better candidate than Donald Trump, he is a far, far, he's in a different galaxy than Donald Trump. If you can't see that and understand he has a so much better chance of winning. Wait a minute. He doesn't have a better chance of winning. He has a chance of winning and Trump doesn't. That's the difference between Ron DeSantis. He doesn't have a better chance of winning. He has the only chance of winning is with Ron DeSantis. And if you can't see that, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be part of your party. I don't want to vote for anyone you support. So the whole jury is out on this Republican thing for me. This is a litmus test. I've said a million times. We've seen Democrats fail litmus tests in 2016 and 2020. But this is a huge litmus test in 2024, the Republican Party. A huge litmus test. And what an opportunity, right? Where so many Democrats or former Democrats like myself have left the party and are available. We are free agents. We are available for your team. Are you going to grab that? Are you going to grab that ring 
Are you really going to stomp on the Democrats and make them an obsolete party? The, the opportunity next year is right there. It's right there. With Ron DeSantis, you're going to get the White House. You're going to get the Senate. You're going to get the House. If there's any turnover in the Supreme Court, you'll get your conservative justices again. I mean, you, 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 it's right there. Are you going to grab that ring or are you going to drop it? Once again, I didn't leave the Democrats. They left me. The Republicans, if they do the wrong thing, they will have left me. I will not have abandoned them. They have their shot. Will they take it? Right now, I get mixed messages about this. Right? I want to start hearing them saying enough of him. And like I say, that shouldn't be too difficult when you have Ron DeSantis right there. I could maybe understand it if you had no other choice, if it was Trump or bust. If it was Trump or Asa Hutchinson, I get it. I could get it. But you've got Ron DeSantis right there. And if you don't see it, then you're useless to me. Did I make myself clear? Do we understand each other? So Jack Smith, speaking of Trump not being able to win, um, filed a gag order. Well, he he filed it, but, you know, Jack Smith can't. The prosecutor can't put a gag on him. Only the judge can. So he's asking the judge to gag Trump uh, because Trump is going on Truth Social and in capital letters at three in the morning because he's such a normal person is screaming about the, the case and going after witnesses and doing everything that if you or I did it, we would not only be gagged, we'd be in jail. We'd be in jail during this process. We would not be able to be out on bail. So right away, those people who say Trump is being treated unfairly, he is. He's being treated too well. He's be, we, it's unfair because he's getting preferential treatment than you and I would get. So there's no judge that would let you or I do what he's doing. They're giving him more leeway because he's Donald Trump, because he was a president and he's running for president. So they're giving him the leeway they shouldn't give him. He should have no leeway. He should be equal. He should be equal to the, the, the farmer. He should be equal to the cop. He should be equal to the teacher. They wouldn't be able to do it, and he shouldn't be able to do it. So Smith uh, ordered Sice the court's duty to shield the trial process from external influences that could materially prejudice its proceedings. The order stipulates that parties involved in the case, including their attorneys, are barred from making or authorizing public statements, including on social media platforms, that carry a significant likelihood of causing material prejudice to the case. This encompasses statements discussing the identity, testimony, or credibility of potential witnesses, statements that are disparaging, inflammatory, or intimidating about any party, witness, attorney, court personnel, or potential jurors, The defendant in this case, Trump, is also restricted from having surrogates make such statements on his behalf. Permissible statements, the order does not prevent him or his reps from quoting or referring to the court's public records in the case without adding any commentary, announcing the scheduling or outcome of any judicial process stage, seeking assistance in gathering evidence, or simply stating 
without additional commentary that the defendant denies the charges. This seems very, very, very reasonable to me. Very reasonable to me. It seems like a very, very narrow order. Very narrow. The trial for Trump's alleged interference in the 2020 election will take place on March 4th, 2024, the day before the uh, California, the Super Tuesday, California primary as well. The pla- this places the trial squarely in the midst of the primary. The, this has followed the investigation by Jack Smith into Trump's potential. We know, okay. On August 1st, Trump faced four federal indictments as a result. Okay, this is all a wrap-up. Okay, so I think this uh, gag order is fine. The Trumpers will scream and yell that it's not narrow, and it's uh, biased, and it's uh, First Amendment, because they don't know their fucking ass from their elbow. But uh, this is a very fair uh, gag order. Once again, this would be the same thing that you or I. This is the same. These are the same outlines that you or I would have to abide by. Okay, you or I cannot make statements discussing the identity or credibility of witnesses. You or I cannot make statements that are disparaging or intimidating uh, to court people or personnel. You or I could quote the actual court public record. You or I could state without any commentary that we're uh, innocent. So Trump should not be able to do any more or less than you or I could do. But his people think he should because they think he's Jesus Christ on the cross. This is what they believe. They'll say he's not being treated fairly. To them, that means he's being persecuted, but he's not. He's getting too many benefits because of his stat- status. I've seen the things he says at 2 in the morning in all capital letters because he's insane on True Social. Now, I understand only 10 people are seeing it. It's an echo chamber. But still, he is seeing it. He is saying it, and he shouldn't be able to. You or I would not be able to say the things he says. Look, this all goes towards what I said. He can't win. He won't win. The Democrats will be victorious. And after what the Democrats have done for the last three years with COVID and such, God, what a shame that would be, huh? And wouldn't that be a disaster? Wouldn't that be a disaster if they were, after what they did to us for the last three and a half years, if they were rewarded with the White House again and the Senate and the House? Could you imagine? how they would feel, how they'd be beating their chest like uh, cavemen, how they would see that as the American public saying, you did good, you did right for the last three and a half years. Do that again. That's exactly what they would take from it. Whether that's true or not, they would be emboldened. How dangerous is that? How dangerous is it? You'd be emboldening you wouldn't just be emboldening Biden. You wouldn't just be emboldening senators, people in the House. You'd be emboldening Walensky. You'd be emboldening Fauci. Is that what you want? The choice is yours. Choose wisely. Now, I mentioned the whole Bob Menendez thing and how Democrats can't take the high road now. I mean, Republicans can't take the high road because they've supported Trump, so... You, you support someone with four indictments to run for president. You can't say a guy with two indictments can't be in the Senate, right? You can't do it. It's called hypocrisy if you try anything else. So that's one thing we can't argue if we nominate Trump. Right there. Right there. You can't take the moral high ground on corruption, right? Another thing you can't do is take the high ground on age, right? 
because Trump's almost 80. So there you go. So you lose the, the moral high ground on corruption. You lose the age uh, argument. Inflation, Trump spent $8 trillion. So you lose the argument on inflation. Immigration, Trump supported amnesty. So you lose the argument on amnesty. You lose that. COVID, Trump supported Fauci and the shot. Trump is the father of the shot. So you lose all that. You can't argue that as well. Christopher Ray, Trump hired him. Milley, Trump hired him. Powell, Trump hired him. Thanks to some of this stuff from Governor Real Deal uh, at Gov Real Deal on, uh, on Twitter for posting some of this stuff. It's all true. It's all true. You can't issue these, these, these issues. You can't argue anymore. You can't, you're not on the winning side of those issues anymore if you nominate Trump. Because, well, as I said on the last show last week, if you nominate Trump, he's basically Biden with an R next to his name in many, many ways. Well, if you nominate DeSantis, then you have these the differences that you can argue and talk about and take the high ground on them and take the winning side of these issues. You lose all of these issues, all of them, if you nominate Trump. This is so obvious that it makes me sad to think that there are so many people in the Republican Party who can't see this. That can't see this. You got a very corrupt, most likely, allegedly, Democratic senator in Menendez, right? And you can't even talk about it during the entire general election process if Trump is the nominee. You can't even mention it. You can't talk. It's like it doesn't exist. What a weapon to not have. What a weapon. The COVID disaster, the mandates, what a weapon that is to have the, to have someone who, who took the right side of that versus Biden, who took the wrong side of that. You lose that if you have Trump. The vaccines, you have DeSantis, who's now saying he's not even going to fund them anymore. Well, you have Trump, who is the father of them and loves them and wants as many as possible. You lose that issue. What are you going to run on if you're if you're Donald Trump? What do you run on? What's your differences between you and Joe Biden? He'll make them up again. He'll change again. He'll go back maybe to what he was saying before DeSantis entered the picture and was his opponent. But he'll be on record as saying all this stuff. And he's on record as loving the vaccine. He'll never stop doing that. Understand that? He ne- will never be able to take the moral high ground and the right side of the issue on COVID and the vaccine if Trump's the nominee. It's impossible. There's no way he could spin it because he needs that vaccine issue, right? He thinks he somehow he thinks a vaccine worked and that he can take credit for that. So he'll never stop saying that. He's on record as saying, well, a lot of things. It went from saving a million lives to two million lives to now 100 million lives, maybe 18 billion lives, more than the more than the population of the world. And uh, he's on record as saying that. It's just. Once again, if it wasn't so mind-boggling how people could support this guy. But they do. And I'll be at that second debate party tomorrow night, and I'll be arguing with people in San Francisco, of all places, who support Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis. Understand that. It's not just supporting Donald Trump. It's over Ron DeSantis.
So that's kind of where we are here, folks. Um, and it's, uh, I have trouble. I'm going to hope that Republicans do the right thing. I am. Uh, here's what DeSantis would say to Trump on the base stage. Trump was brave enough to leave his basement, which we know he's not. Um, and and this is a uh, this is Ron on Fox News talking about this whole idea of of Trump uh, draining the swamp. Well, he should step up to the plate and then we'll do it. I mean, I think we can talk about um, a lot of the things he's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. They started the wall. But we've got a lot more to be able to do to finish the wall. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Uh, they added almost $8 trillion to the debt in four years. And then remember, he promised to appoint a special counsel for Hillary Clinton. Then after the election, two weeks later, he's like, oh, no, forget about it. That's what you say before the election. It's not what you say after. So now he's saying he's going to do one for Biden. But he had promised to do that for uh, in, in 2016. So I think it's about you got to deliver on these things. If we do the same thing and we don't deliver on 100 uh, percent, we're not going to turn the country around. Now's the time to deliver results. You know, we're going to be at Reagan's library. He said it was a time for choosing. It was our rendezvous with destiny. I think this election is for our generation because we're in danger of leaving to our kids and grandkids in America that's less free uh, and less prosperous than the one we inherited. I think you often, I think you often see with primaries how idiot, how idiotic a lot of people are. Right? There are idiots in both parties. There are so many idiots. There really are. I saw this in the process of twenty sixteen and and twenty twenty. Right? Uh, there are people in your own party who are just morons. They are. Well, we're talking about the other party, but there are people in your party who are idiots also. And I saw a lot of them in twenty sixteen, who were telling me how great Hillary was, and there was her time, and in twenty twenty, you know, supporting. Uh, a dinosaur like like uh, like Joe Biden, and now we're seeing it in 2024 here. You know, um, it, it's it's not, and that I think that's the problem with primaries is that you see that people in your own party are as dumb as people in the other party, and so you think to yourself every every primary process I go through, I think to myself, what what is the point in this country? There's so many idiots. It's not just the other party; it's your own party too, and that's kind of depressing, you know. It's, it's always nice, and I know it's not reality, to think that most people in your party are smart, the other one are dumb, but that's not the way it goes. And we see that in the primary process. Then supposedly, after the primary is over, we all come together again, right, with the idiots. We embrace the idiots, the jerks, the morons, and we all get together to defeat the other jerks and morons. So that's kind of what politics – I'm always reminded, I think, of politics in this country during the primary process. And that is incredibly depressing because you kind of double – the amount of morons and uh it's it's tough it really is this is desantis on uh by the way that was a great answer again on laura i think it was a perfect answer and he's right we've talked about uh, the the draining the swamp crap on this show a million times there was no draining of the swamp it was making it swampier there was no eliminating debt there was more debt there were no promises made, promises kept. He promised to prosecute Hillary. He dropped it in two weeks. So now he says, come on, people. 
Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Now he's going to promise to prosecute Biden. Come on, come on. You can't believe a word that comes out of this guy's mouth. This is DeSantis, I believe, on the border. Once again, on, on Glenn Beck. Averaging 9,000 per day. Averaging. I know it's more than that on some days. H- how much before? I mean, New York. Man, I could punch those people in the face. <laughs> They're now saying, but we can't survive. Try being Texas or Arizona or even New Mexico. Um, how long before we have irreparable harm done where you have population in your country that is as big as a big state and they're not part of your culture well when i when i get in they're all going back i mean that's the easiest to do that well you know, they've been given court dates they have paper so you now have these people biden is registering these people a lot of them are registering with the federal government before they cross the border saying hey i'm coming illegally i'm going to go on this app and fill out it's insane so we'll use that uh, to do because i think it's important that, that that's done you can't you, i want a wall i want all that but if you aren't going to have a sanction for coming illegally then you're going to continue to deal with this problem one way or another so so that will be a sanction you know that we're going to enforce it hasn't been enforced uh, really for many many decades probably right. all the way back to eisenhower right. to where we really had it had it strong so we're going to do that you have to establish that we'll work with texas we'll work with arizona whoever wants to help us to be able to get that job done but it is already done incalculable damage if you think about because we did the illegals to Martha's Vineyard um, last year. And, um, you know, the Martha's Vineyard, they actually had uh, an office in their downtown that was purported to be a refugee welcome center saying nobody's illegal. I was welcome. Now, they had never actually used it. So yeah. these 50 show up and they, they, they freak out. They call in the National Guard. They deport them off the island, um, all this other stuff. And, and it was just like, you know, uh, it's like, you got to be kidding me um, with this. So just with that. You know, they said in the, one of the wealthiest enclaves, off-season, they had a lot of housing. They had all of that there. But the thing was, was people thought, oh, it's going to hurt him in re-election because he's got the Venezuelan Americans down in South Florida. They're going to be mad at him. Well, guess what? I go down. Next time I was in South Florida, I got guys coming up to me, high-fiving me, like, we're Venezuelan. Thanks for doing it. Because uh, they're concerned about Maduro emptying prisons uh, and sending people to the border. And I think other countries... Um, in, in Latin and South America are doing it. So you end up having people, we don't know who they are. There's Russians coming in across the border. There's Iranians coming across. There's Chinese coming across. I look at it and say, is there any way possible that we don't have a terrorist attack in the future that can be linked to somebody across the board. No, not of a course chance. it's going to happen. Of course it's so it's already been incalculable. We'll do a big um, a big repatriation and then stop the insane policies. Like, yeah, we'll do the wall, but you shouldn't even entertain these claims where you're giving them a court date three years. Just have them wait on the other side of the border. That's, that's what we got to do. Um, once again, very common sense stuff. Very common sense stuff. And that was the other, right? All the come on i'm going to build the wall and mexico's going to pay for it the wall wasn't built there was about 10 feet of wall built mexico didn't pay his red cent so these the guy just lies the guy lies period trump is a liar he doesn't follow through on anything he says he says what he has to say to win the day that's what he does he says what he has to say to try to win the election to try to win the votes and then he tells people to their faces these people are so stupid he says to their faces, 
oh, no, I told you the Hillary thing just so you voted for me. When he says, like Ron DeSantis reiterated, that's something you say when you're running. <laughs> that's the, the candidate saying, yeah, I said that to get your vote, but I didn't really mean it. What not that like spitting in your face? I fooled you. I fooled you, idiots. I fooled you, morons. I fooled you. And I'm telling you I fooled you because you'll vote for me again anyway. I mean, at some point, you have to be a man or a woman or whatever. You have to have some backbone. You have to have some pride. You have to say, you know what? I mean, that right there, the Hillary thing was so big. Wasn't it in 2016, the whole election, where you actually had to have face in the debate two weeks before the election? You don't want me to win because I'm going to put you in jail. And uh, all the Trump people were. And then four weeks later, he says, oh, I just said that to get your vote. That should have been the end of Trump right there. That should have been, okay, pal, enjoy your four years. We're never voting for you again. But it isn't. And then Mexico never paid for a wall. And then there was never a wall. And then there was never a swamp drained. And there were more swamp creatures, like all these generals and Mnuchin, all the people we've talked about and Fauci brought in. And yet they say, oh, he was a good president. We want that again. What do you want again? Lies? Distortions? Words just to get elected? And now he's saying, I'm not even pro, I'm not even anti-abortion. I don't even know what a man and a woman is. Come on. Drop this guy like a hot potato. Enough is enough with this. It really is. All right. Is there something else I wanted to... Remember, tomorrow night is the debate. Let me see if Bill Mitchell wrote this. Let me see. This looks like... Something I might want to talk, I might want to mention. All right, this is Bill Mitchell, who's a big that we'll talk about tomorrow night. But Bill Mitchell is a big uh, DeSantis supporter, a former Trump supporter, former Trump supporter. Um, he says he looks at the relationship between Trump and his base like a relationship with a girl and an abusive boyfriend. When the girl first fell in love with the guy, everything was great. He was all she had hoped for. But as time went on, he took it for granted, started cheating on her and being abusive. She wants to quit him, but to do so, she has to admit to herself that all of her initial instincts about him were wrong. All of her life, she had waited for her Prince Charming, and when she finally chose him, he ended up being just another frog. She can't cope with that. This is why Trump supporters react so negatively to anyone challenging their love for Trump. They can't bear the thought they were wrong about him. When people say he's cheating on you, why do you put up with this? They don't get angry at Trump. They get angry to people and push them away. The relationship between Trump and his core supporters in codependent in the extreme some like me can break away some cannot at least not yet i think that's great i think it's that puts a finger on it, it really does it's, it's a codependency there there's a real codependency there and it is very abusive it is incredibly abusive and it's like the abusive husband or boyfriend in a way it says you know i know you're going to come back to me don't they say that these men all the time uh she'll come back and they do a lot right when it's got you kind of just Dump the jerk. All I can say to Republicans is dump the jerk. It's time. So tomorrow night will be the debate. And after the, after the debate, I will come on here at my usual time. And we'll talk about what happened. 
So if you want to watch it, if you can watch it, you should. So we can have a, uh, a dialogue, you know, about what uh, happened and what your thoughts are and what your, what your feelings are. Um, so hopefully you'll, you'll do that. Do I want to play this? I keep on seeing these things that I want to play. Well, this is Trump. This is never back down. This is the Republican, uh, the pack, the pack for, for DeSantis pack, never back down. Uh, and they wrote on their Twitter uh, post, Donald Trump used to make fun of Democrats for being too afraid to debate. Now, he's the one who's too scared to show up. Republicans deserve a nominee who earns our support, not someone who demands it. This is the ad. I hear he's afraid to debate. Is that true? I hear he's afraid to debate. He's too cowardly to even show up and debate. You suggested you may skip the early Republican primary debates. Why would I let these people take shots at me? We can't afford a nominee who is too weak to debate. These debates are brutal. We need a nominee with stamina, a nominee who's sharp. Huh? Uh, uh, Republicans deserve a candidate who earns our vote. But I probably won't bother doing the debate. Not one who demands it. What happened to Donald Trump? Never back down is responsible for the content of this effort. <laughs> you know, there's certain things that Trump says, intonations in his voice, where I want to just, oh boy. The way he says debate. Debate! Debate! Yeah. But yeah, that's the, the hypocrisy of Donald. I mean, the hypocrisy of Donald Trump is never ending. You know, all he could talk about was there are enough debates. They're afraid to debate. Biden's hiding in his basement. He won't debate. He won't debate. They read it, and now he doesn't debate. Now he hides in his basement. That's okay. You know, the guy is just a fucking idiot. What a moron! I swear. How anyone can support this thing, I don't. I don't get it. Although Bill Mitchell just pretty much described it, right? It's a abusive relationship. An abusive relationship. Uh, one more clip, and then we'll, unless there's any calls, we'll probably wrap the show up, uh, and then we'll all get our sleep, because tomorrow night's a big night. But here's uh, another clip of Trump on Fox. Well, he uh, should step up to the plate, and then we'll do it. I mean, I think we can talk about... Oh, that's sorry. The same thing. Everyone's that's a great clip and everyone's sharing it. That's it. It's like if when you can see when DeSantis talks, why Trump won't debate him. You can tell. That's why. Forget all this ridiculousness of, oh, the polls, this, the polls, that's all bullshit. It's all a smokescreen because. Because he doesn't want to debate Ron DeSantis. If Ron DeSantis weren't in this, he would debate. He would. Look, if DeSantis weren't in this and Trump were actually maybe ahead by a large margin over the others, he would still debate because he likes to be on that stage and he would definitely want to put them all down. But he won't debate Ron DeSantis because he's afraid to debate Ron DeSantis. That's why he's afraid. The big tough guy, the big tough guy is afraid to spend two hours on that stage. With eight people up there and debate. Because he's afraid of DeSantis. All right. So I want to remind everyone tomorrow night. Okay. So after, oh, wait, what is this here? DeSantis earns podium. Oh, this is, this is going to be the, okay. So DeSantis will be uh, in the center podium. 
at the debate, flanked by Haley and Ramaswamy. Uh, so he'll be in the middle. It'll be it'll be Farmer Swampy on one side, Haley on the other, and uh, okay. El Burnham, Doug Burnham is back in there. I like him. He's a decent guy. Oh, okay. So we're not ending the show yet because Bill just popped up. Hey, Bill, what's up? What's on your mind? Mike, can you hear me okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm always amazed that people are surprised at what they got. Like they ignored Trump's business failings. <laughs> Not to mention he cheated on every wife. I mean, I'm sorry. How can you be loyal to your constituents when you cheat on every wife you've ever had? It's true. I mean, you it's know, true. Yeah. It's be some loyalty and especially with melania with stormy daniels it's like what was he thinking i mean you have a beautiful woman at home why would you ruin a marriage i i, I don't understand it. well you could see her coldness towards him even in those four years right and in the last couple of years she left i mean you could see that she's just trying to like be the good wife and she didn't want to embarrass him by like separating from him while he was president, you know, but uh, I just, you know, I, and I guess there was some glamor to being first lady, right? I'm sure she liked that part of it, but it, you could see there's, just, there's no warmth there, Bill. No, there isn't any. You, you, you see the hands, you watch the way she kind of moved his hand away at times. And yes, yes. Yeah. She would push his hand away. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is not a, I, I, I don't want to do this photo op right now, you know? It, it it's sad in a way it's very very sad it is because well, there's no loyalty to a woman who's married who's born his son he's got an addiction problem obviously we know that from his history mm -hmm. we're not getting the whole story on the epstein thing obviously um his business failing six bankruptcies how has this man ever been touted as a successful businessman as a complete charade yes you know, it is. i know i know uh, so what can you expect when he gets of course he's going to lie to get in office and as you said uh didn't fulfill his campaign promises not even close no and yeah so i don't know what people I, i've always been baffled by the attraction to him that they're so boondoggled by his rhetoric yeah uh, which i find offensive at times mocking the disabled when he mocked the guy who had cerebral palsy. That was unmistakable. I mean, come on, man. You could disagree with him as a reporter. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, when he was doing his, when he was flailing his arms. Flailing yeah, his arms. yeah, yeah. Not funny. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, he's, he's constantly still doing it. Isn't he going on Truth Social and saying that generals should be killed or death penalty or in jail? I mean, he's, he's, he's a psycho, Bill. Yeah, he he's is. not yeah. a normal person. So, that's very scary that so many people are attracted to a psycho. Isn't that scary to you? Like I said, I just shake my head in wonderment. I don't understand it. I didn't understand. I mean, sure, Biden was a despicable option, uh, so I get it. Uh, people felt they had to vote for the lesser of two evils, maybe. Um, I don't know, but we have options now. We got DeSantis, we got RFK Jr., and, yeah, I mean, there are options in both parties, right? right? Right. There are better options in both parties. There are. Absolutely. And with this with this um, latest poll that I was reading last week, where it shows that the, uh, that the RFK would get like a third 
third of Biden's support uh, yeah. in, a, in a general election. I mean, that is a very uh, a powerful weapon he has to use against the Democrats if they don't do the fair thing, which is, look, it's already almost October. They're not make it's not a fair fight, right? So he, he really needs to run as independent. I think absolutely. And and that'll ensure a Republican win. Let's hope it's DeSantis and Oh, if it's DeSantis the nominee, he would win I mean I think DeSantis will d- destroy Biden without RFK. But if RSK is running if RFK is running as an independent and DeSantis it it, it could be the biggest landslide since eighty four. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, let's face it, as you said, the polls show no one wants Biden to run again. So now people just voting party, you know. Well, and, and how great would it be if RFK were running as independent and it was DeSantis against Biden? DeSantis has this huge victory and then puts right. RFK in his cabinet. Amen. Let's pray Yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, screwing the Democrats, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be sweet. He, his, they, he, be one way to give it back to him. What they did, you know, the deep state did to his uncle and his father. I mean, yeah. for sure. I mean, I think uh, if RFK weren't, I think if the Kennedy name weren't so synonymous with the Democratic Party, and maybe if RFK weren't, you know, he's not a spring chicken himself. He's seventy, right? I think DeSantis might consider him for vice president, but. I understand. He's a the Kennedy's name is a Democrat. He's seventy right. years old. You're going to put make a seventy year old vice president? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> you know, not if you're forty four. It doesn't make much right. sense. Right. Right. So he already said he would not consider him for Veep, but a very high cabinet post is likely. Sure. Yeah. Like well, I mean, I know it's late in the show. I- the nature called me and I went, ah, I got to tune into Mike, see what's going on. So well, I'm glad tomorrow night's the big night because we have the debate, which will be, I think it's, uh, what time is it? It's going to be uh, nine o'clock Eastern time. And then, you know, a few hours after the debate, I'll come on and we'll talk about it, about what happened, what we heard, what the candidate said. I'll give a little bit of, uh, you know, atmosphere about what was happening at the, uh, the Republican Party um, uh, viewing of this here in San Francisco. And so, you know, We'll talk about that tomorrow night. That'll probably be the majority of the show tomorrow night. So, is that you're going to start the same time when you say you'll be on after the debate? Yeah. Well, start? yeah. I mean, the debate did end about what time is the debate going to end? It'll end about eleven Eastern time, right? So I'll be on a few hours after that. No, I'll be on my regular time. Okay, that's, that's yeah. good. Yeah, my regular time. Yes. All right. I pray for Mother Nature to wake me again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, just set your alarm. <laughs> you like the you like the natural alarm, right? <laughs> yeah, it usually works. You know, the, you know how it is when you get to my age. You got to get up more than once a night, anyway. So. Oh, I I drink too much water, uh-huh. and I drink water late, which my doctor is always telling me not to do. My doctor right. always says, you know, stop drinking water of, of three or four hours before you go to bed. I don't do that. I, uh, I drink a glass of water right before I go to bed. So I get up a lot. And I've, 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 I've actually gotten up a lot since I was a young guy. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't follow my doctor's orders. What did my doctor say? Hydration is for the daytime, not the nighttime. So, so I, I'm a water drinker. I like it. Right, me too. What goes in has to come out, right, at some point? Thank you. Be young, get the 
fountain of spring going, you know, you got to keep yeah. it going. <laughs> fountain of youth. Yeah, exactly. The fountain of youth. All right, Bill, we'll see you. We'll see you. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. All right. All right. All right have a good one. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So, yes, once again, reminder, the show will be on tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, post the second Republican debate, and we will talk about what we hear. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. Airs weeknights right here on Callin, callin.com or, or the or the Callin app or whatever you got going for you. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow night after the debate. But until then, this is Mike Achopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>